Artist Journal, September 1st, 2018. So here we are at the beginning of September, and of course this is basically the beginning of the media new year, as I like to call it, and probably other people too. This is kind of the real new year, and I've been spending the last month really getting ready for this month. I didn't, I sort of, the World Cup was this year, and so I got all my sort of summer out of my system, went to France, as we saw in entry number one, and so I sort of had all my fun in June, July, and the start of August, so by August 9th, I was done, and I really got back to work in a very real, determined way. And that was kind of challenging in certain ways in the sense that I was starting to succumb to this problem that many people have, which is having too many projects at the same time. I had about five projects I was working on simultaneously. I had the related images project, where I, which is Google queries and screenshots of Google queries of art historical, uh, basically works from art history, I had the Peloponnesian War series, which is this sort of phone-based, mobile-based art book uh, based on Thucydides' Peloponnesian War, which is a very ambitious project, which I'm going to talk more about. I had, what else? I had the, uh, let me just check here. I'm going to just look on my... I had the Screen Memories project, which I'm very excited about. This is the latest sort of project. Screen Memories is a term that Sigmund Freud used. And if I remember correctly, Screen Memories are when you fill in the blank on a memory and you actually create something new. Uh, so you sort of misremember something and yeah I had come across this term while watching lectures on the great courses which is basically my cable everybody watches Netflix and HBO I watch the great courses proudly and uh, there's a ton of content on there I highly recommend it and I have an app actually for the great courses plus and so I was watching lectures on psychology and Sigmund Freud and one of the lectures was on, it mentioned this term screen memories. And I thought, well, how perfect is that? Especially since I'm so screenshot based. And I've been blocking out a lot of my, uh, on, on the screenshots, I'm blocking out a lot of the areas on the image with color. So I thought, oh, this is great. Especially about art historical work. So your mind is forced to fill in the blank, so it just seems sort of like a perfect thing. So anyway, so I came up with this new project called Screen Memories. I'm also working on the Nostalgia Studies series, which has uh, been going on for years, actually. Um, that is basically 
what I consider some of the most formative images that really built the artist that I am today. Yes, I'm heavily influenced by art history, but just as important, frankly, are the trading cards that I grew up with, baseball cards that my grandma first bought for me, uh, comic books, uh, which also my grandma was the first to buy me, Donald Duck number 270 by Gladstone Publishing. I'll never forget that. I still love the look of that comic. I can see why it captured my imagination. I collected stamps. I got my grandfather on my Italian side. He died a couple of years before I was born, but I was given his stamp collection, beautiful stamp collection, when I was six years old, uh, when I went to Rome for the first time. So anyways, so Nostalgia Studies is, uh, these are drawings for the most part. Sometimes they're paintings, but mostly I've been doing drawings. And they're homages to uh, these stamps and trading cards, comics, even Star Wars toy boxes. These, uh, what I consider just brilliant works of design that I sort of see, even like, I mean, I, that I see in the tradition of, that you can sort of see analogs with the art history in their composition and everything like uh, like when I look at a trading card and I see a guy that's swinging a baseball bat and hitting a home run like and he's to me there's something very analogous to a renaissance painting and that like it's to me it's almost like I mean there's a whole series in itself you could do of really painting baseball card type imagery in a old master's style. I mean, that's a whole other thing. And actually, surprisingly, I've never actually seen that um, because some of the compositions, say on a Topps baseball card, are very, what I'd consider classic, classical. They're classical compositions. They're brilliant. They're, you know, it's almost like the rule of three, the golden ratio is at work. Uh, they're colorful. Um, so... All very interesting. So anyways, so Nostalgia Studies is a homage to these images, and it's also an exploration. Me going into these images and trying to sort of really uncover uh, what makes them special, Lego instructions or other Lego boxes. I mean, these masterpieces of design. Uh, old Apple II uh, computer games, screenshots of computer games. So I call them Nostalgia Studies. I'm you know, they actually sell really well, generally. I make them really cheap. So if you're interested, feel free to message me on my Instagram. Uh, I sell them really cheap. They're really affordable. They're easy to ship. And what's interesting is they really resonate with people who also shared that sort of appreciation or who, you know, maybe the Star Wars stuff, of course, you know, I mean, that was more popular three, three or four years ago back. Star Wars has sort of gone down. That brand has sort of declined a little bit, but, uh, you know, still those action figure boxes. And that was just a really cool series. And I will go back to them. I mean, there's something really special there. And as I progress, say, on the nostalgia studies, uh, I tend to, yeah, the process gets more and more elaborate. And, you know, the more you do, the more interesting they become. And those start out very naively. 
Uh, and even the early naive ones, some there's still some of people's favorites, which is also interesting. That's one of those ironies that you find. Um, shout out to like the classic Australia Lego Instagram, who yeah they they were like, oh we love your Lego drawings, can we retweet them? And which one did they? So they ended up re uh, they posted reposting them on Instagram. And what one do they repost? The very first one I did. The most naive, what I consider like the most naive of them all. So it just goes to show, uh, you never know what's going to be popular. So anyways, I had had all these projects as well, Apple II drawings, which I, I talked, I think I talked in the last episode, I did, where I got this black paper and green graffiti marker and I was trying to emulate the Apple II screen. So I was literally working on five different projects. And as anybody knows who's worked on who works on five different projects at the same time. Yeah, you get stuff done here and there, but you don't finish anything and you feel like you're spinning your wheels and you kind of feel like, even though you are getting some stuff done, you sort of feel like you're getting nothing done. So a friend of mine, Justina, who's a stylist, good people to know, and she does hemming and sometimes she even finds clothes for me. You got to be grateful for friends like that. Uh, She said over text, just over WhatsApp, just pick one because she's talking about all the projects and that's advice I've given and I've, we've all heard it a million times, but I needed to hear it there and then. And when I did hear that, I did pick one. And so I've been working on the Peloponnesian War, which is a really ambitious project. And so that's what I've been working on for the last week and a half. And I have had smatterings of the screen memory stuff, just uh, as I'll get into. Uh, but yeah, so, but really the, 80 to 90% of the focus is the Peloponnesian War. And I got to tell you, it's liberating. I feel free and I'm actually just kind of happier on a professional level again. So I decided to focus on the Peloponnesian War. And I'll talk a little bit about that project because that is the focus right now. And that's been a really challenging project. So really, so a little background on the Peloponnesian War. It's basically Herodotus is considered the father of history and he wrote the histories. And the next book was by Thucydides, the next history book. And it's about the Peloponnesian War. And that's sort of considered the real first history book. In a sense, Herodotus sometimes gets called the father of lies because, you know, you get sort of, it's sort of where myth meets history, you know, like you'll hear these tales of some guys are on a ship and then this guy gets thrown off and then a dolphin comes to save him and he rides back to shore. So that's like Herodotus type stuff. Whereas Thucydides, which I think was about 70 years later, because Herodotus wrote about the Persian Wars, which were around 480 let's say 500 BC to 480, just showing off my Greek history knowledge here, whereas uh, the Peloponnesian War, if I remember correctly, was 431 BC to 404. So we're talking about a generation or so, generation or two later, uh, Thucydides wrote, and he was very much trying to get it right. A lot of people think he was an atheist. Uh, So there was no... Uh, there was no real myth. Like, it was very self-consciously, like, it's the first kind of reporting 
Uh, so it's, a, it's, in a sense, what's so interesting about the Peloponnesian War, uh, it's an incredibly famous, important book, even though most people kind of haven't heard of it, even though, but most people, like, I mean, you don't need to go far, like, it's got a depth. Uh, but it's, it's basically where the Greeks... Uh, go to war with each other because there are a bunch of city-states and basically Athens had uh, was taking tribute from all these other city-states for protection and Sparta was getting worried that they were becoming too powerful and Sparta had all their allies. So eventually these two powers, Sparta and Athens, these two city-states, Greek city-states, faced off. And... So this is sort of considered, I think it would be fair to call it, the Bible of military history. It's still taught, and, uh, you know, Thucydides in book one, he never finished the whole thing, by the way. It's, I think, seven books, eight books, and he's, like, moved to the start of the eighth book, I think. And he never finished the whole thing, and what's really interesting is in the first book when he's sort of outlining his agenda and his plan is he says how he wants us to be a work to last for all of time even though this is about some specific war in history this work is meant to transcend time it's meant to be a timeless work and it's very greek in its ambition and i sort of i love that greek ambition some people you know in our society don't like this kind of attempt for glory and ambition I'm very Greek and <laughs> Roman in my... I appreciate that. I think it's great. I think it's great. I, I, in a weird way, I, I think more people should be trying to do really big, ambitious things. Like It's sort of seen as a bad thing to try and become famous. And I think you can do it for bad reasons. Uh, but I think not enough people, in a sense, are trying to become famous for good reasons. And so it's just an interesting sort of um, another contrarian take from Pocabelli. So, yeah, so the Peloponnesian War, so what I've been doing is I've been taking Greek vase imagery, and I've been using that as source imagery, and I've been sort of just uh, putting in my phone apps and just sort of taking the digital brush stroke, that hard contour brush stroke, and just making a kind of a phone-based representation of... Uh, certain parts of the book and so I was doing this and I had about 80 images which is quite a few and I was like yeah I'm going to make just this art book this simple thing and then I had all these quotes that I had sort of uh, extracted from the book and from the lecture series there's a great course lecture series on the Peloponnesian War I watched it three times it's 36 lectures half an hour each uh, so yeah I'm like I've really engaged with this um with this subject. And, and I guess part of the reason I decided to do it was, you know, say Dante's Inferno, for example, you know, that's been tackled by Salvador Dali and Robert Rauschenberg, for example. So there's this kind of great tradition, some of my favorite artists, right? There's this tradition of saying, taking a famous text and visual artists kind of doing a kind of homage or a version. And I had looked at the Peloponnesian War and I couldn't find any prints that were based on the Peloponnesian War when I did Google searches. And I thought, isn't that interesting? 
And maybe I need to do better searches, who knows. But all to say, it's not a very common subject. So I thought, unbelievably, almost this thing of biblical proportions in, you know, in military history context, and I mean, military history is no, that is history. And so I thought, well, here's this awesome opportunity to do this homage. So anyways, uh, so that's why I really embarked on the Peloponnesian War as a subject. Because some, you know, my friend Leo, he's like, well, it's a little obscure. Like, I'm not sure people know what they'll... But, and I think that's a fair criticism, but it's so famous in a sense, I, in the, like, in, and so important that in a sense, I don't think this is a case of obscurism or obscure, obscurantism or obscure, being too obscure. I think this, like, in a sense, if you don't know what it is, in a sense, it's more other people's problem than me being too esoteric and, you know, perhaps too, you know, quote unquote, too intellectual. No, this is so famous and so important in our Western tradition that there, there should be no apologies for discussing it and for celebrating it and as and if it's too obscure, that might be our society's and our education system's problem more than my own. As you can imagine, this project ballooned a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, so you have all these images. I'd made about 80 images. I had all these quotes, and I was starting to kind of randomly put the images and the text together. Okay, this works better than this, whatever. And then it was kind of all scattered and my images were sort of all over in my, you know, Apple photos thing on my phone, which is not necessarily the best categorizer of things. So it started to get out of control a little bit. Like it was really hard to keep tabs. I mean, you have 80, I I wasn't sure if I'd used certain texts before or quotes and okay, can I use this quote or did I use it before? And I have to go through all this other stuff. So I discovered Airtable recently listening to the Digiday podcast. I like digital media podcasts a lot. So I listen to Recode, Digiday, highly recommend them. And I was listening to Digiday and at the start of Digiday, they were recommending Airtable, the ultimate project management tool, blah, blah. So I thought, okay, let's look at Airtable, and it is. It's, it's fantastic. And so I started putting together this series in Airtable because it was actually just becoming too much to do from a little Evernote file and Apple Photos. Like It was just too complicated to manage. So I needed like two spreadsheets that I could join together. And so I did that, and it still started to get out of control a little bit. So I sort of left it for about a month. Because and then I was working on you know related images and just doing a lot of experimentation in July. I was sort of the World Cup month, a little too much drinking probably. And so after my friend Justina said, "Just pick one," I decided, okay, I figured out how to go about this project. I decided I need a script. I need the story first, so I need my series of quotes. And so this was a huge breakthrough because all of a sudden I had a way forward. Uh, so I figured, okay, nail down your quotes. And once you have your quotes, then you match the images to the quotes and you're good to go. 
So, but do it with the quotes first, not the images, which is basically what I was doing before. And so I did that. And so where I am right now is I went through, interestingly, so about four different sources. I started with the simplest. I just went to a Wicca quotes and got the most famous quotes from the Peloponnesian War. Then I went to the Penguin edition of the Peloponnesian War, one of them. And what's really cool about that version is they have subtitles that are not a part of the original work. And so which kind of outlines what's in that section. And so I use that uh, to, there's about 60, and I use that as basically to structure my book. And then I have a Kindle version of the Oxford edition. And so what I did is I took the Wicca quote stuff and I pasted them into the sections that from the Penguin edition that, and then I had some gaps. And then, so I went to the Oxford edition and I went to those areas that were missing. And then I started reading just through, through, and then taking some rich quotes out of there. And out of this morass, I've sort of crafted my art book. So I'm kind of happy with how that all turned out. So now I'm editing the script. I have all my stuff. Now it's a matter of just turning it into the series of quotes. And I think I'm going to finish that this weekend. So that's where I am with this project. And so, yeah, so that's the update. So that's my entry. I'm also doing stuff with the screen memories because I've been, just been working on script, which is not, and you kind of always want to make sure you're making images as an artist. I mean, I think it's really important. I was looking at this book on Picasso, and it's called 1932, I think, and or is at least about the exhibition called 1932, and you see everything he did in a year, and you see the pace, and yeah, some days he's doing three works, some weeks he does two or three works, um, but you kind of, you see he's kind of always on the case. He doesn't really take too much time off, and that's what you want to do. Uh, you really want to always kind of be in the making some, because that's how you get really good. And that's how you like, that's become familiar. It becomes like family, uh, your, your craft and you become, that's how you get good. And so then that's what I'm trying to do. So that covers this entry. Um, I guess we'll talk to you next time.